The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. And hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show covering all the latest and greatest in the world of PlayStation, including the tournament PlayStation has purchased in the recent past and how they went, as well as some other updates we'll be talking about this week. Uh, I'm very thrown because I can hear myself so well that I'm just going to stop talking now. I'm joined this week by Mitchell Saltzman. Mitchell, hello. Hello, hello. It's good to see you. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about Evo. I've been I've been itching to uh to, you know talk about my experience for ever since you know I got back. So this is this is gonna be awesome. Happy to have you on. And we're also joined this week in studio by Jada Griffin. Hello, Hello. Jada. Hello, I'm happy to be here. I'm really mad that you didn't throw to me first because I was gonna make a joke about Mitchell being stuck in at Evo still because he didn't oh, win out of his brackets. Yeah. So I was gonna really was gonna just you well, know. Now the joke is there. Oh yeah, this is this is actually the Mandalay yes. Bay hotel room. I've uh, <laughs> I've you know been here for about a week. I feel like I should make it my home. That's fair. <laughs> Airdropped in all your stuff. I mean, Jada, you can at least joke about the fact that mark isn't with us this week i mean um, yeah i mean he he called us like or messaged us like 10 minutes before the show it's like hey i can't go because they're shooting the pilot for chainsaw man out front of my house um and we're like that's an anime so that doesn't make sense mark but all right whatever that's what you get from mark that's that's how you know that mark has been replaced by the the body snatchers exactly. <laughs> um i mean we all know he's still stuck at the top of splash mountain 100 still please send pictures of splash mountain to mark once yes, again please do that again um, uh thank you to everyone who played along Please do it again to that man while he had to ditch us this week. But no, uh, we do have plenty to talk about this week, including some uh, PS Plus updates. The P- PlayStation Plus Extra lineup for this month has been fully revealed. Uh, some actually series cast updates about the Last of Us TV show. Uh, delays, betas, things like that. And we're also going to jump into Evo and fighting games in general as well, because I have two wonderful experts with me. A person who doesn't know fighting games at all, but watched 20 minutes of Evo and... I could do that. Uh, Anyway, before we get to all of that, though, let's jump into just some quick news hits. The first one I want to mention is the fact that PlayStation Plus Extra's updated, uh, you know, August big sort of uh, reveal of games has been uh, put on the PlayStation blog. These uh, PlayStation Plus Extra games are coming on August 16th. Uh, These are for both Extra and Premium members. We previously knew about the uh, Yakuza series coming uh, specifically this month. 
uh, Yakuza 0, Kiwami, Kiwami 2 are all coming on the 16th. Uh, Dead by Daylight is also coming. Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Wildlands, Bug Snacks, and then uh, Metro Exodus, Trials of Mana, Uno, and two Monopoly games. Monopoly Madness and Monopoly Plus. Yo, I love me some Monopoly. It's great. I grew up on Monopoly. That I was, did too. Uh, me and my cousins, we would, we'd stay up all night playing. We would pause the game, wake up in the morning. I would rob the bank, and then we'd continue playing. Nice. Um, My grandpa, rest his soul, was the cheating banker. He uh, was legitimately, every time we played, we, after a while, had to stop letting him be the banker or sit ne next to the banker. I actually never cheated, but that, that's always, it's always did. a fun thing. That it's, anytime you ever mention Monopoly, you have to bring up that, because there's always somebody who plays the banker who cheats in the family. Oh, yeah. And I, I know my little brother used to do that when we'd play, so I always had to be the banker. Yeah. Um, but anyway, two Monopoly games if you want to play those, but also, of course, the beginning of the rollout. We know the whole Yakuza series is basically going to be coming to uh, PlayStation Plus. The older games are coming uh, at some point in the future. We know Like a Dragon was part of the uh, basic PlayStation Plus, the essential tier. I hate those names so much. Uh, Mitchell, are, you're a Yakuza fan, aren't you? Or am I crazy? Yes. Play Yakuza. Everyone... What? Play, play Yakuza. We this always is the perfect opportunity. I like how he just said yes because I was like, yes, Jonathan is crazy. I mean, yes, that that also. <laughs> um, you, either question you were answering, you were correct. Um, this is always the big drama and debate, and we did have uh, some answers for Jada last week. But so much, I'm going to put you on the spot as well for an extra answer. Where should Jada start playing the Yakuza franchise? Zero or Kiwami? Oh man, I I personally prefer to play Zero just to start at the beginning. But, you know, I think the argument for playing Kiwami is that there's there's kind of like that. It's almost like the intended way to, to play through it because you, you learn about a character in, in Kiwami and then you kind of learn how how he got there. Um, and, you know, that that's that's definitely something that is is definitely appealing. But for me, I, I prefer to just start the story at the start and, you know, learn about that you know, learn about the characters more with the, the next iteration. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the Yakuza games, it, they're, they're kind of the perfect games to be on a subscription service because of the fact that, you know, I, I, I do truly believe everyone should play these games to, to see what they're doing because they're doing something that I think very few other video game series do, which is tell a long running story around like centered around the same characters and you know watching these characters grow over the course of you know seven games um that said they're they're imperfect games you know there's a lot of repetition in the combat there's um you know the the games don't evolve quite as much as you would you'd hope over the course of the the whole the whole series so like you know it's it's hard to to really give that hard recommendation of like oh yeah like spend you know three hundred dollars on this whole on this whole series but if you can play the whole series as part of a sub subscription service it's like a no-brainer i think uh which is why i think people get so passionate about wanting people to play yakuza yeah um it, it is a very special video game series and again there's there's really nothing quite like it so i've got two things to say to that one so your recommendation, we were also, we were totally testing you because everybody in the audience said zero first and then Kiwami. So congratulations, you passed that. Um, I have seen people say play Kiwami first, though. Well, so I yeah. was going to say I started with Kiwami. 
Yeah, because uh, you're wrong. Well, uh, all, I'm just kidding. Hey, <laughs> wonderful actor of Midnight Mass and I Zombie, Raul Coley, also tweeted, you should start with Kiwami. So, you know, there's a difference of Well, Morty from Rick and Morty all says, right. I really think you should just, you know, start the begin the story at the beginning and not, like, do all this jumping around <sighs> stuff, the prequel too. after. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I think either way is very fair. I'm not a, a Yakuza, you know, expert by any means. 100% is. But, yeah. You should see his Yakuza tattoos. Yeah, um, that's neither here or there, for a future though. show. Um, second, uh, so you're saying they don't advance as much through like the seven games is it so it's like a sitcom of tv where the characters are like the same age through like seven seasons basically do we see i I actually was talking actually was talking (laughs) more about the mechanics i know i'm just messing (laughs) with you um i'm just trying to have some fun but yeah um i was just curious i've been watching a lot of bob's burgers and like I'm like 10 seasons in now and I don't think they've celebrated the kids' birthdays once. Yeah. But they've celebrated like <laughs> their mom and dad's birthday a couple times, but the kids just never get birthdays. And I think that's I mean, honestly, they don't deserve them. Have you, have you seen those kids? <laughs> <laughs> you know, even with Mark uh, Gone, we somehow true. got to a TV conversation. Anyway. Yeah. Um Bob's Burgers is great though. Um, but anyway, yes, you can begin your Yakuza journey. I've seen even people say like Like a Dragon is a good starting point if you don't want to go all the way back to if you want mm-hmm. something more modern because it's a bit of a like a reset character wise. So however you get into it it seems i think like the lineage of beyond especially since i've been on it um whether it's you mitchell or max or other people like play yakuza is the the thing that i seem to it's our new beyond logo yeah play play yakuza we're not sponsored hashtag not mad <laughs> um anyway so that's the lineup for this month in addition to the three playstation plus essential games uh no mention as of right now of any other premium games so no other older games which is a little bit of a bummer mm-hmm. we're still kind of waiting to see what the like ps1 ps2 ps3 support really ends up shaking out to be on this service service thank you uh but we'll we'll see where it goes from here but not a good not a bad place to start if you need some games this august yeah uh anyway moving on from there just to mention really quickly uh to talk about tv actually uh hbo's the last of us cast uh has uh grown we officially got casting news about henry and sam the brothers who star in probably one of the most famous uh, excerpts of that first game uh henry excuse me henry will be played by lamar johnson while his younger brother sam will be portrayed by uh Kevon Woodard, excuse me, I was going to put a double W in there, but uh, the two of them will be playing Henry and Sam, uh, as well as Graham Greene and Elaine Miles will guest stars Marlon and Florence, two new characters being added to the series. Mm. Um, Not much is known about them, not really a bunch of information. We do know that apparently they'll be meeting Henry and Sam in Kansas City rather than Pittsburgh like they do originally in the game. Uh, But, you know, I, I think that episode i would assume i probably assume they're going to be an episode focus it's probably going to be a very harrowing one to go through i can't wait to see that but i do also like the sense of like new characters being cast because i think for me the best potential here is making a show that expands on what we got in the game and isn't just a strict retelling yeah i mean there were so many segments in the game where we just got like where when anytime it transitioned from season to season like time passed so like we don't know what happened in those time period gaps so it's perfect opportunity to explore this yeah uh, so should be cool to see. Uh, moving on from there, just to quickly catch up on some of the other news, uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns, one of the, uh, I, I think, probably bigger uh, franchises that that's known with Marvel in there, uh, was delayed. It was originally coming out at the beginning of October. Uh, it's now been delayed to an uncertain date. Uh, 2K basically said it will be coming out before the end of their fiscal year, which ends at the end of March 2023. So it's possible the game gets delayed by a month. It's possible it gets delayed by five or six months. Uh, apparently they 
want to put the finishing touches on the game and, and really make sure it's it's set for launch. They also, though, did say that that, uh, that delay is only for the PS5, Xbox Series, and PC versions. The uh, last-gen, the PS4, Xbox One, and Switch versions are going to be delayed to an even later date. So uh, you'll have to wait a little bit longer. Mitchell, were you excited for this one? Or are you much of a tactics person? Or Yeah, uh, you know, I'm not like a super hardcore tactics person. But, you know, I enjoy XCOM. I enjoy the Disgaea series. Uh, you know, I think, um, oh, what's that indie game called? Slay the Spire? Uh, no. Uh, Into the Breach. Mm-hmm. Into the Breach is like one of my favorite um, roguelike indie games. Um, and I think Midnight Suns is, you know, it, there's so much room for expansion, I think, in the tactics in the tactics genre. And I think Midnight Suns is is doing something something interesting with it in that they're they're, they're using these Marvel characters. Um, it's fun for Axis who who you know do the, the XCOM uh, XCOM games. I think they they said at some point like they they're not using like you know percent to hit kind of chances. Um, so I'm just I'm kind of just curious as to what a a Marvel superhero powered tactics game looks like. Um, and granted, I haven't really looked too much into it. I've kind of wanted to go into it blind. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little disappointed, but also, you know, understanding of of the delay, you know. And I'll uh, I'll definitely play this whenever it comes out in 2023. I'm thinking we're going to get a January release date. Yeah. That's not, that's mm-hmm. what it's, it's, it feels like a January game to me. That that feels reasonable, if only because you start to get into, especially March, and things just get so sacked. And not that like a Marvel game can't succeed, but like a Marvel game that is in a a more niche genre mm-hmm. probably deserves a little bit of time on its own. And granted, moving out of October is then probably a smart move. But yeah, J- January feels like a good bet. I feel like the only thing we know January is Dead Space, and I think there's one other thing in January. Yeah, but, I feel. Uh, I think this feels like a very end end of January month kind of game. Um, right before like the whatever the big launch is going to be two weeks into February, like we usually get. Yeah. Oh, forgive me. Here we go. Yeah, it's Dead Space remake on the twenty third, and then Forspoken on the twenty fourth. Um, so it, it could even be February. Yeah. We don't have any games announced for February right now, but we'll. Uh, oh, that's crazy. We yeah. right. Well, I'm sure we'll we'll start seeing those announcements rolling around. We've got Gamescom and a bunch of other stuff around the corner. Yeah. That month is going to fill up real quick. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It always does. I think it's one of those things where we're just seeing people be smarter about announcing dates rather than have to move them so i think yep. it's you know obviously we're, we've seen so many delays because of the pandemic and everything and i think devs would rather especially going into next year so many big games are anticipated they'd probably rather have a date that they feel like they can hit than say something and then have to delay i think that's why like that's what happened with god of war yep we probably didn't see a date for a long time because they really wanted to make sure they hit the date that they're gonna say yep um so yeah and after that date passed they were like all right let's announce it for later yes exactly (laughs) (laughs) um though speaking of things you will be able to play this fall uh you know obviously there's a lot of hubbub and discussion of what the future of call of duty looks like after uh activision is acquired by microsoft properly but until then we're still getting call of duty on playstation we expect there will still be some call of duty presence afterward but regardless we do know that uh if you're a call of duty fan looking forward to modern warfare 2 uh the first of its uh open betas for Modern Warfare 2's multiplayer mode uh, will occur from September 16th through the 20th and will be a PlayStation exclusive, while the second from September 22nd to the 26th will take place across all platforms 
with crossplay. Uh, early access will be offered to those who pre-order uh, the game, and you can get full details on how to access the beta on the Call of Duty blog. Uh, but there's also going to be basically a Call of Duty Next live stream event that will show off uh, Warzone 2, Modern Warfare 2, and Warzone on mobile. So uh, if you're a Call of Duty player, which obviously there are still a lot, even though it's had a bit of a down year uh, sales-wise, a lot to look forward to coming soon. Uh, Call of Duty Next will be on September 15th. Um, but yeah, that uh, that's pretty much the news for the week. Everyone's, I think, a little bit of a quiet lull, big news-wise, before Gamescom hits. Uh, so we're going to take a very quick break, and we'll be right back with more Beyond. This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK, so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Beyond, and welcome back, everyone. Jonathan here. Uh, we just got through sort of the news of the week, and I think maybe now it's time to turn our attention to uh, an event that just passed, Evo. 
Oh, I thought we were talking about like my past pets, like funeral. But you know, Jesus, we... <laughs> I didn't love it. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see how the words I said made that phrase come to life. Yes, but, 100%. Oh my God. Um, we need like a Frankenweenie scenario to get us out of this in like a happy way. Anyway, no, we're talking about fighting games. Uh, I'm so completely thrown. Thank you, Jane. You're welcome. Um, chaos, we baby. Are, uh, Agent of chaos. Yep, with Mark gone, you're, you're filling that role with, uh, with glee. To I be fair, tell. like mm-hmm. I've always attempted, before I even came on Beyond, I was like, I'm going to come in and bring that that agent of chaos and then i discovered mark was already doing that sure so i just kind of like relinquished it to yeah. him i just like i'm not even gonna bother because that's fair then we won't we won't get anything there done. would just be chaos it would yeah it would be nothing i yeah. would just it would be too much and you know chaos works sometimes but when there's things to discuss it doesn't you know um <laughs> anyway uh yeah let's talk about evo and sort of the fighting game uh scene at large uh obviously if you didn't watch evo uh if you're maybe not a fighting game fan i or a fighting game player i am not one i have played a bit of smash brothers in my life and other than that every time i pick up a controller to play a fighting game i get demoralized very easily because i'm usually playing someone who's better than me sorry and uh, it's okay Uh, i can strongly remember when i was a freshman in college uh my roommates they were all into uh marvel vs. capcom 3 at the time and they would always 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 when they needed a breather ask me to jump in so that they could take a break and have an easy win that was the role i played i uh i love the marvel versus capcom series but three was so brutal for being able to find like infinite combos and uh for at least for different patches where and different friends were like i got hit once and i would like and i'm good at fighting games i would get hit once and it's like oh well well, that character's dead (laughs) sometimes oh two characters are dead like that's it just can't do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah well, Marvel vs. Capcom is not a game to to jump into with friends if they if they are much better if than they're you. All, but you would you would think it would be. I think that's part of the problem for me is like, oh, a Marvel fighting game. Like it's broad enough that I should be able to get into this, right? And I just got my butt kicked. I thought it was cool, but so through all my life, other than really Smash Brothers, I've not really gotten into fighting games. I am playing a little bit of multiverses, and it seems Mm. like I'm not alone. Uh, I think, you know, it's still an open beta, technically, but the game has hit, I believe, 10 million players is the the most recent estimate. It's got a huge launch. It's very well received by the fighting game community. I think we all went into it kind of being like, is this going to be a Space Jam new legacy, but for video games, where it's going to be kind of just an embarrassment of IP being thrown together? But it seems like the reception's been really warm. It's it's doing really well. I, I have a lot of thoughts about it as like a newcomer to it and i'm sure you both do as, as fighting game fans but i i kind of want to talk about just like the state of, of fighting games and recommendations from both of you as more fighting game experts for someone who might see all this and be like how do i get into fighting games more but mitchell i do want to start with you attended evo competed in a bit of evo how how was it for you this year oh my god it it was such an amazing experience um you know evo is is one of those things where i i think if you if your exposure to the fighting game community is just through like Twitter news articles and playing against assholes in Mortal Kombat who don't know how to turn off their mic, <laughs> you know you might have a kind of a, a a bad view of what the, the FGC is like. But once you get into Evo and you're within that community, it's it's really one of the most positive kind of groups of people that I've, I've ever been around. Like there were so many moments where like. Uh, you know, people who who forgot their their cable would you know ask someone on the other side like, hey, can I borrow a cable real quick to uh, you know plug in? And like, it's 
it's like a no-brainer. Um, there was a moment where I was playing against someone in, in a match, and I I thought I had won. And there was something that distracted me off to the left, and I looked over, assuming that the, the round was over. <laughs> the round wasn't over. Oh, no. <laughs> and rather than just, you know, beat me up and take a, a free round win, he, like, tapped me on – he, did he you know, stopped moving, tapped me on the, on the shoulder. It was like, hey, dude, we're, we're still going. <laughs> and i was like oh my god you didn't you didn't have to do that i, w- I would have been like if, if you actually like finished around i would have been like oh man that was my bad yeah <laughs> um and just like you know moments like that where it's just like you know you, you're just around people who love this thing so much and it was just such a, a positive uh experience um to be to be in that um the fgc is awesome and i think you know Fighting games are wonderful, and I strongly encourage anyone to, you know, who who has ever been intimidated or, you know, thought that they couldn't do it, that this is the best time to get into fighting games because there's so much, there's so much material, material out there to help you learn. There's so many, there's a bunch of free fighting games that can, you can, you can jump into with, without any kind of investment. Um, and you, you can learn and kind of grow at your own pace. Um, so yeah, I I think the, the, the fighting game scene is awesome and going to Evo just kind of, you know, really cements that was, uh, I know this was the first time the show was back in person after a little while was, uh, anything like demonstrably different about it. I think especially, you know, there were concerns coming in of like, Oh, now PlayStation cones, a thing that was sort of multi-platform. Is that going to cause any problems? It doesn't seem like it did from the outside, but did the show feel like Evo that you knew while you were yeah, there? Yeah. I mean, it still feels like the, the Evo that I knew. I was actually su- surprised that, uh, you know, the, the addition of PlayStation didn't take away from that kind of like grassroots kind of indie feel that Evo has. Um, it's still just, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of tables with, with PS4s without controllers. You, you know, you, <laughs> you have to bring your own controller. Uh-huh. Um, all the PS4s were weirdly like uh, the star Wars PS4s. <laughs> they have like, you know, they have like, you know, the, the empire symbol on it. Oh, and, like, yeah, the, yeah. the rebel anchor or whatever. Um, yeah. And uh you know they weren't they weren't PS5s. There were no PS5s in the <laughs> not in the a crowd surprise. At all. Yeah, it's hard to find them. <laughs> the, Even PlayStation uh, has yeah. trouble. The one thing I will say about like the FGC and fighting games in general, like it's a very different environment when it comes to playing online against other people and then playing in person at like Evo or a local tourney. Like it's just it's night and day difference. When you're playing against people online, generally you're going to get the trash talkers, you get the people who don't have any respect or anything like that. But when you play it like locals, like you'll often find people who's like, hey, you want to spar after the match? Or like, mm-hmm. like I've, we got some downtime, like, do you want to run, run a couple matches back? Or like, hey, like, uh, you know, there's, I've, I can't tell you how many people I've met just in my history of playing at local events and becoming longer term friends with them and just playing online with them and have setting up sparring groups to play with them. It's like, it's, it's a completely different thing when you meet people in person at fighting games, not to say yeah, everybody's I'll, perfect, but sure. It's, you yeah. know, there's a lot more good apples than bad apples when you could play it in person versus online, which is usually the opposite. It's a crapshoot. Yeah. 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 And on that note, um, one of my favorite like memories of, of the event was like, you know, I literally got whooped by, by my first, first match <laughs> in guilty gear. Um, and, you know, after the match was over, you know, we, we fist bumped and he like, you know, looked at me and was like, dude, your pressure as Giovanna is like really, really good. Like I, you, you had me on the ropes. I know it didn't seem like it, 
but like your your pressure is fantastic. I was like, oh my god, thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was so nice. It's easy to just um, kind of after a match move on, but for for them to take the time to actually say that, yeah, that's yeah. Um, and just you know, I had a, a fun a funny experience where I went I went to the Arc System Works booth, um, and you know, a dude a dude hopped on and you know asked if he could play me, and he was also a Giovanna player, and he was really really good. Um, <laughs> to the, but also to the point where like. He was seeing stuff that I was doing and like telling me, hey, you know what? You can do this instead of this. And, uh, you know, when you knock down, like this is probably the the best way to, you know, continue your pressure mm-hmm. or, you know, after you do this, I can do this. But if you know that I'm going to do this and you can do this and punish me for it. And it was just like, you know, getting like a free training session <laughs> for my character against this this other person. And then funny story about that. You know, we ended up talking and we're like, hey, are you are you playing in the tournament? And we're like, yeah. And uh, we found out we were both playing in the same pool, basically. Oh, wow. Uh, so he was, he was basically training someone who could have been his opponent like later <laughs> on. And it turns out we were opponents later on. He was the person oh, wow. that knocked me that ultimately knocked me out. That's so um, funny. And now you're both married yeah. together. It's mm-hmm. now we're, and now life. we're happily married. Yep. yep. <laughs> Congratulations, Evo, the place of miracles. Yeah, that's what happens. But no, like that, I feel like that totally speaks to your point, Jada, of like, and, and I think that's also for me of like someone who's hopped on occasionally to a fighting game that I like try to invest in and then go online. And then immediately it's just like, if I'm not good, I'm just going to get called the worst things by children. Um, but like in person, yeah, there's, there's more of a reason. One, I think that helps just like break down the barriers of, like there's good and fun trash talk, but I think it then does encourage people to help each other out. And like you were saying, form mm-hmm. these bonds and uh, it's cool to see the event come back in person like that. Cause I know that was a big thing people were waiting for and hoping for Jada, you watched a bit from home. Yeah. I watched, I, I watched all of the, the grand finals for all the, the games or whatnot to see all the, the, the big moments and then kind of surfed around to see what videos surfaced for other matches and stuff like that. And caught some really good ones. So nice. Yeah, um, it was a, a an amazing set of grand finals this year. Mm. Um, like highlight to the Street Fighter Six or Street Fighter Five grand finals, oh which goodness. was just you know the I can't best. Believe, I can't believe the you best lost that. possible. <laughs> yeah, the best possible send off for that game because this is going to be very likely. I would say ninety nine percent chance the last time Street Fighter Five is going to be at like a major you know Evo style competition. Yeah. Um, you know, Idom's run through losers bracket is just going to be something that we look back we look back on the fighting game community forever i uh, i i was so cheering for him i knew it was a replay i didn't know who had won because it didn't have it listed <laughs> in the description thankfully so thank you whoever i was watching um but um man i um, like he plays laura and my partner plays laura and i just oh, i was mm-hmm. like i was like oh here comes the combo because i was so used to getting put through the ropes by my partner's <laughs> laura combos i was just like oh my goodness this is gonna hurt you knew that pain well i knew the pain so well and then for him to lose i was just like no i was rooting for you I like I had not been watching earlier that day and then I went on Twitter at like I don't know it was like 8 p.m. our time or whatever and I just saw like 50 tweets being like oh my god I dumb this isn't like craziest Evo thing ever and I was like okay let me go check out what's happening and I was watching the final between Idom and Kawano and yet like even as someone who doesn't know a thing about like fighting game technique or you know ways to actually parry and and combo and and get out of things and counter and whatnot i was like this is just an incredible run like the amount of pressure he was able to put on like you're saying like i can tell how that character can be scary just like watching his play and it was just so cool to to see that level of skill uh on display but like both of you were saying also like celebrated in a very positive environment like even hearing the 
um, the announcers talk through it and, and, and praise it. It was like, oh, this is this is a special thing for a lot of people. What's funny is that like Idom is the only person that I know of who uses Laura at that high of a level. She's really slept on mm-hmm. um, as far as Street Fighter characters go. And yeah, she, the way the way that he plays her is just so, so scary. Um, and yeah, I've, I've also played against Jada's partner and like I was also <laughs> having, you know, the, the nightmare flashbacks of getting put in the lore blender oh man it's just like you just don't know what you can do at certain points it's just like i'm just i I, like i just have to block and then you get grabbed and then you're like what do i do um i just i guess i lose the round that's what happens i lose the round there were so many (laughs) rounds where it was just like oh i don't just bodied him and just could not like stop it like you, there was nothing that could be done to stop mm-hmm. that pressure yeah. um i do have some questions for both of you about fighting games and getting into them and, and especially some stuff going on but we'll talk about that right after this break beyond and welcome back everyone we're talking about fighting games uh and the thrill of evo but also just the thrill of the scene right now you know mitchell uh before the break you were saying there's never been like a more exciting time to be able to jump into fighting games and it does feel like they're really having a moment the scene is having a moment there's a sense of like positivity around it or a lot of excitement around upcoming releases obviously uh, street fighter 6 next year the success of multiverses right now i kind of want to talk to both of you about a little bit of sort of the your thoughts on like jumping in right now and i guess maybe starting with the success of multiverses um jade i'll just start with you have you been playing a little bit of it like what are your general thoughts on it i got my hundredth win yesterday congrats thank you thank you um i've been maining garnet in harley quinn um they're it's a blast um i actually really like it there's still you know a few bugs a little bit of latency issues i've noticed with a couple matches where sometimes i'm like uh using like a dash move or a teleport and i'm end up back where i launched from Mm. and so so some weird rubber band mechanics but that's probably more lag than anything um but yeah no i think multiverse is very solid it's a uh it's a great alternate to smash if you don't want to jump into smash which already has a very established scene and what what are we at like 80 characters i can't remember what the roster is for ultimate um i think yeah and so um multiverse is great all the characters are broken in different classes which kind of helps um with uh you know picking like your play style like if you want to be you know more damage oriented you can go the assassin but you're also easier to be ko'd and it explains all this stuff there's a huge like glossary that tells you everything like okay if you're shocked this is what it does if you're ignited this is what it does um if you're charmed this is what it does like it tells you exactly what all these things do and it breaks it down so well for each of the characters like multiverses is such a great introduction for a platform fighter um that i definitely recommend people to to check it out and you know give it give it at least you know a couple hours to see how you like it it's free yeah the the separation between sort of like class of character and and with them being such like iconic characters for me to glom onto it's been really easy to find things of like oh i kind of have started to figure out a little bit of how to use a more attack oriented person but i also like being the support person because it is primarily like a salad you can do 1v1 but it is primarily established as a 2v2 fighter and so to have that back and forth to like have different strategies based on who you're playing really comes into play when you have a, a partner in there mm-hmm. um Mitchell, how have you been feeling about it? Uh, yeah, I, I think multiverses is awesome. Um, you know, the the issues with, you know, the, the teleportation while you're playing online. Um, you know, every every fighting game has to handle latency in a different way. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a reality that sometimes you're going to have bad matches against people who have, you know, bad Wi-Fi or, you know, they're playing on hotel internet 
or something is going on. They're downloading, you know, gigabytes of whatever. They're hooked up to um, the McDonald's out, you know, yeah. around the block, you know. I yeah, only yeah, yeah. play online when I'm at a Starbucks. That so. totally makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how else are you going to get your, you know, your drinks while you're playing? Yeah. <laughs> Am I supposed to have a drink and then wait to play the game? No, no. I have to do it in line. Same time. Uh, anyway, Mitchell, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, and like, you know, one of the things about multiverses is that even though you have those moments where you're teleporting around, um, the thing that doesn't happen is that you never feel a delay in in your inputs. You Correct. Know, yes. The button you press will always, you know, re- reflect on screen. Um, and this is one of the things that a lot of fighting game people talk about is, is rollback netcode versus delay based netcode. A lot of games uh, previously had delay based netcode where it felt like if you were in a if you were in a bad match, you'd feel like you're you're you know going through mud. Like you mm-hmm. press a button and then like two seconds later it would, it would happen. You you know the your your movement wasn't one-to-one and it's just like a, an awful experience um, to play online in those kind of matches. Even in some of the worst matches I've had in multiverses, it's never been absolutely unplayable. It's been mm-hmm. a lot less fun compared to, you know, the, the matches that are good connections, but you can still work your way through it and still like, you know, you know, fight your way to the finish. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's one of the important things to, to note that even though some of the, you know, the matches that you might have in, in multiverses are weird. Like you'll have just, you know, teleportations randomly happen. You'll hit someone and then all of a sudden they'll be right back in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it could be a lot worse, especially in a free to play game with 10 million players. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, no, hundred percent. Like I, I don't want anybody to take away from that. Like that. It was a bad experience. Like I've, I literally put in like 120 games since Saturday or Sunday, Saturday. And so like, that was maybe five out of 120 matches where I had some type of issues. So like they're doing something right. So, yeah. um, yeah. it, it's been pretty positive for me, but yeah, I'm someone who hasn't had enough experience to know if maybe a glitch was just a thing I did badly or mm. if it's an actual glitch in the game. <laughs> um, but like, you know, Jada, you had mentioned something, uh, not specifically, but as you were describing the game, like talking about the fact that it's like a platform fighter. And I guess that's for me, is it safe to say that there's essentially like, platform fighters 2d fighters and 3d fighters obviously there's more nuance but is that sort of like the general buckets things get thrown into yeah i mean that's a safe way to kind of especially for anybody who's like new into the scene like there's obviously a little bit more you can dive between them and different games kind of cross sometimes yeah Um, like obviously this is a 2d game but i sort of mean like the standard you know like what i think of when i think of a 2d fighter is like street fighter correct yeah street fighter is generally a 2d fighter whereas tekken is a 3d fighter and then uh, multiverses and smash would be a, a platform fighter um other platform fighters would be like brawlhalla and mm. a few others like that yeah um and they have like arena fighters mm-hmm. like you know the a lot of anime games i think are considered arena fighters uh, okay um there, there's definitely a lot of you know ways you can break down the different types of fighting games in in terms of i guess like jumping in for people does it feel like it's safe to say typically like platform fighters are probably the most like friendly to jump onto or or is that like a misconception i guess of the the ip that typically gets thrown into them because for me it's like you know smash multiverses brawlhalla a lot of famous franchises in there Mm -hmm. i think platform fighters fit nicely into that that kind of bucket of easy to play really hard to master Mm -hmm. um kind of you know thing that a lot of a lot of games usually try to strive for um you know they they are games that 
are are typically very simple in their controls. Um, it's usually a direction and a button to to do uh, an attack, a direction and another button to do a special attack. And they also kind of usually follow the same kind of thing of like, if you get knocked off the stage, you can use a special move to come back on. Like that's, a, I think that's a, a thing that a lot of people who just jump in don't don't really piece together really really quickly. Mm-hmm. The fact that you have to use like your up B to give yourself like you know an extra vertical boost or forward B to use another like horizontal, you know, momentum uh, change or, or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that's a, a pretty fair assessment that like. You know, platform fighters are are definitely a good entry point, but also, you know, some of the things are are very different when it comes to platform fighters versus two D fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, approaching the this is going to be this is going to be using FGC jargon, but approaching <laughs> the neutral game in a two D fighter is very different than the the neutral game in a in a platform fighter. I know mainly because of like the mobility involved with with a lot of Mitchell. You want to break down neutral? Neutral basically is imagine a like a boxing match, and Mm -hmm. you know the the match just starts, and both both fighters are are in a position where no one has the advantage. Uh, They have to do something in order to get to a, a spot where where they can hit the other person. And once they do land that, you know, land that first hit, then they have the advantage because, you know, if the, the person is blocking, they they are on defense. Gotcha. So that so neutral basically just refers to a state in which both neither player has an advantage and they need in like playing the neutral is essentially finding a way to get in and put yourself in an advantageous position. Yeah, so it's like, you know, there's different things you can do when you're in the neutral stage at the start of the match. You can try poking down with, like, ranged attacks. You can use your, like, you can, you know, wait for your opponent to do a move. You can move around to bait your opponent into thinking they have an opportunity and then punish them if they miss. There's a lot of things you can do in the neutral that kind of can affect how the match starts to play out. It's funny because my strategy normally when I go into a match of multiverses is just hit them. Just go hit them. Oh, I mean, that, and that works. <laughs> that works with multiverses. Yeah. It, it does very well. I Honestly, there's a lot of times where I don't... A lot of matches where I win decidedly and I'm just like, I just don't even have to think about what I'm doing. I'm just like, I'm just going to use these two or three bread or butter moves. Um, one of the things I really like about multiverses, especially for welcoming newcomers, is newcomers. You know, they're, they're the friends of cucumbers. New, yeah, new cucumbers. Yeah, yeah. New cucumbers. Yeah. Um, that's what we're calling new newbies into multiverses from now on. It's going to start um, start, oh, no. start trending new cucumbers. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing like a baby cucumber mascot. It's like it has all the merch that Baby Groot does. It's just huge. It's going to be great. It's yeah. going to be great. I'll open it up on my shop. Um, but no, uh, for newcomers, is that their tutorial system that they like they flash it right at the start like hey complete this tutorial and you unlock wonder woman so like that's already giving you an extra character to like try out and do something different and it teaches you a very good variety of the stuff the basic stuff you'll need to know for like recovering from getting knocked off the stage and stuff like that like mitchell was talking about that a lot of newcomers just don't really understand the all the options that you have when it comes to recovery after being sent flying so um i really hope that other fighting games kind of pick up uh some of the lessons that multiverses is is laying down and it continues to help just grow the fgc and fighting games in general better for yeah and uh i think the big thing that multiverse is doing multiverses is doing right now is of course it's free to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a, a conversation that uh, 
you know, a lot of people are having right now, like, is the future of fighting games free to play? Because it kind of makes sense for this this genre. Right yep. now, the model for fighting games is you release a base a base game, and then you keep it. You know, you you keep it its life cycle going with seasons, and those seasons add up, man. By the time mm-hmm. you're you're through a, a, a fighting game's life cycle, you've probably spent you know somewhere between like one hundred fifty two hundred dollars on on one game. Yep. Um, wild. And yeah, it's it's pretty wild, and you know I think. I think fighting games could could learn to grow if they if they found a way to make that base game make it free and then dole out the seasonal content basically as like a, a piecemeal kind of thing, um, similar to to how uh, you know Fortnite does it. And uh, yeah, we're gonna see if that model is gonna be successful when Project L comes out because you know yep. there, oh, there's yeah. any company that knows free to play it's right and wait uh, for project l do we have a rough yeah i know they no. released an update there's no sort of like no no there's gonna there'll be one more big update on it later this year they said okay um but we don't have any type of release date the least most recent is they added um they announced that alawi um the kraken priestess is going to be joining the roster um and so i'm very excited for her and you know i'm they just also did a visual update for Udir, um, and I forget his moniker, but I, f- I have a feeling with his new, like, visual upgrade in League of Legends, like, he's probably going to be added as well to Project L. That's my next guess for a character that's coming, um, because he just seems like a good fit for a bruiser-type character to be in the roster. Yeah, I think I think Project L is going to be one of the most important fighting games in the history of fighting games, and it's really going to decide... That game's success or failure is going to dictate the direction of fighting games in the future. Well, uh, speaking about, I guess, the future of fighting games, as someone who kind of wants to get into them, I have a couple questions, but we'll talk about that right after this break. Beyond and welcome back. We're talking about fighting games and, uh, oh my God, how bad I am at them. But uh, no, I do want to ask, you know, you both of you were talking a little bit before the break of like looking ahead to some exciting fighting game stuff, talking about the scene right now. I am curious. So I'm I'm playing multiverses. I got really hyped on the idea of fighting games coming out of Evo. I see something like Street Fighter VI on the horizon, and I see kind of what they're doing of, I know they have sort of the uh, alternate control scheme that's a little bit easier for newcomers to grapple with. I see mm-hmm. some of the like the, the ways they're trying to get people into fighting games who may not have had it while also being a, a, a good game for, you know, longtime fans. Is, you know, from both of your recommendations, and maybe Mitchell, I'll, I'll throw to you first, is it something where like I should maybe just wait for Street Fighter 6 to come out like does jumping into a fighting game like Guilty Gear Strive that looks amazing but has been running for a little while or something that's even longer running like Dragon Ball Fighters which looks amazing but has been going on for years does it make more sense to kind of just wait for the right moment of a new game launch or are there like ways to jump in in the interim as as a fighting game newcomer I mean there are certainly ways to jump in in the interim like the thing about jumping into a fighting game as it comes out is that everyone is kind of starting on the same level so you're able to get a more a more kind of natural learning curve of like playing against people that are at your level playing against a, a large pool of people who are at your level and then you kind of like ramp it up from there whereas you know there is there is that problem of jumping into a fight like a game like guilty gear exerd you jump into an online match of guilty gear exerd you're going to be playing against people who are you know very very experienced with that game and it's you know not going to be the the best learning experience um 
but one of the things one of the things that I, I will say, I think one of the best entry points in in fighting games right now is a game called Fantasy Strike, and it's a game I reviewed at IGN. Um, I I can understand people not immediately jumping into this game because the art style is not the greatest. It it doesn't you know it doesn't scream we have a lot of money when you when you look at it, <laughs> but it is such a perfect fighting game for people who are just getting into into the the genre because it is that that simple thing of there there are no complicated inputs it's all just press a direction and a button it's very specifically designed to teach you the 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 context of why you should be pressing the buttons that that your character has um and it's just very intuitive in the way that it's it's designed there's no the if you so if you're looking at the video right now you'd see that the life bar is segmented so the way that works is that instead of there just being you know a uh, a life bar that gradually goes down every hit does one tick of damage some hits do two um and it's it's very focused on understanding frame advantage which is basically just knowing when it's your turn uh to press a button and when it's not um, there's a lot of really smart things that it does with like making your your character glow a certain color to let you know like hey this is a this is a grab you need to jump um, it's just a, a very smartly designed fighting game specifically for newcomers to the genre and it's it's also very deep there's a lot of really deep mechanics to it um, so yeah that's that's always the one that I recommend people start with when they say that they they want to get into fighting games and they don't want to you know just jump into the deep end uh jada what about from your end is there any that like comes to mind as a good recommendation for newcomers is there like you know one on the horizon like street fighter or something else that you particularly think would be a good option yeah i think um the ones i always try to recommend are the ones that have the most robust tutorial system Mm -hmm. um and i think mortal kombat 11 is probably one of the more recent ones that had a very in deep uh, in-depth um tutorial system where it it really walks you through the moves um and mitchell you've played a bunch bit of mortal kombat 11 right Oh yeah, I've played more than a bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a minute since I've been on there. Did this? Did Mortal Kombat 11 have the like when you go and you're doing like the trials? Didn't it have the option where you like like a show me this show me what this combo looks like? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure it does. Yeah, um, so like it's really cool because that's one of the biggest things for me because you know whenever I'm gearing up to like compete in locals for different games, I like I go into the training mode for 30 minutes to an hour each day before I start playing online and for like to warm up um, and being able to go in and do trials when you're learning the trials, learning the combos and stuff like it's very frustrating if you don't know what the combo is supposed to look like. So it can tell you like, Oh, punch, high punch, low punch, you know, and then jump and then continue your combo. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know what that looks like, like you're just like, I guess I did it or you're or even worse it's like okay I did all those inputs why didn't my why didn't I get credit for this trial so when they have when any game that has those trials that where they actually show you that what the combo looks like those are the ones I always recommend looking out for gotcha yeah Mortal Kombat also has or Mortal Kombat 11 also has a really good ramp up in its in its uh tutorial like it, it does a good job of teaching you the basics and then you know, slowly introducing you to the the higher level concepts like frame traps and what jailing means. Um, it 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 leaves no stone unturned. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think you know, I always say the perfect fighting game is out there. 
It's just spread up, spread out in a bunch of different <laughs> fighting games. Mm-hmm. And if they all just you know pulled it all together, you got like the you know the netcode of Strive, the training mode for Mortal Kombat 11, the ability to you know practice in uh, in Street Fighter 5 while waiting to be queued up into a match. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the perfect the perfect fighting game could could exist. We just gotta put it all together. And of course, the Shaggy of multiverses. Yes, and yes, the yeah. Shaggy of multiverses. The, yep. the the Ultra Instinct Shaggies. Yes, to be specific. Of, of course. Um, and I mean, speaking of Mortal Kombat and upcoming games, obviously Street Fighter is one we're all looking forward to. But we gotta find out what Nether Realms working on eventually, mm-hmm. right? That's gotta be on the horizon. I would assume. I, I have <laughs> my prediction is we're gonna learn about it at the Game Awards. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna there's there's gonna be another big reveal event uh early on in 2023 and it'll probably be out sooner than you think yeah i 100 percent agree with that that was what they did for mk11 originally right if i'm not mistaken <laughs> isn't that the no, exact I, i'm pulling all this from nowhere <laughs> no i'm just saying there's clearly a precedent so it feels like yeah, you're yeah, probably yeah. on the money given that we didn't hear anything at evo or like anything other you know more recently at, at, at earlier shows probably won't at gamescom it seems like tekken might get a gamescom so. wink based on be, some hints awesome. i imagine we'll, i imagine we'll get a but. tekken like more of a tekken um not at, at tgs gotcha probably would be yeah, my guess gotcha probably. Um, yeah, it's something that like I have very much an eye on Street Fighter, I think, because it's the series that I know of the most. Mm-hmm. But it, it's mm-hmm. good to hear sort of of these other options as someone who's like, can I jump into something right now that'll help me learn? Is it silly to jump into a game that's been around for five, six years and even something like Mortal Kombat? It's like it's been around. But if it feels like there's good enough training there, yeah, it still might be yeah. worth it. I think the big thing for is finding one that kind of fits your style of gameplay because mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat mm-hmm their combat is very different from street fighter. Yeah. Like they're just the way the combos work. Like mortal Kombat is kind of like, you have to kind of input all your, con- your inputs for your combo. And then it just kind of goes gotcha. where street fighter is more kind of like button by button, you press the button at the right time. Yep. It's more timing focused. Gotcha. Um, and so like, I'm a, I'm more of a street fighter person, but I do like playing mortal Kombat from time to time. So like I dive into both because they're both excellent games. Yeah. It's a, uh... yeah. Go ahead. Were you going to say something? Uh, I was just going to say, and, you know, I think Street Fighter is not as challenging. If, if your exposure to Street Fighter is watching it, is only watching it played at Evo, <laughs> uh, I think you'll be surprised to learn that it's not as as hard as, mm-hmm. as they make it look. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the combos in Street Fighter, the effective combos in Street Fighter are usually just, you know, button, button, special move. Yep. That's really all you need to know. Um, it's all about learning then, your bread you know, and butter. Yeah, and you can you can add on more situational combos from there. Um, so I, I I think people who who get intimidated from fighting games because of like you know combos, like you could learn these combos. Yeah, I I'm sure that there's people who are like looking at fighting games and being like, uh, I can never do that. But they can also like play piano. <laughs> and it's like if you if you really put in the effort i think you could do it <laughs> yeah well it, it's something that you know i've been personally excited about i've seen some other excitement around it so it's i it's good to hear from both of you that it does feel like it's not something that um you know you've missed your your chance you've missed the boat on uh fighting games there's always an opportunity to jump in whether it's on the horizon or an older game uh and of course you know seeing the joy around it i think from evo was a really big moment for myself and a lot of other players uh and especially with it being now co-owned by playstation mitchell i know this is a hope of yours as well but man i just hope we get playstation all-stars 2 sometime 
I just love the fact that every time I am on Beyond, yeah. we talk about PlayStation All-Star Suit. Let me get my whiteboard. I'll be right back. <laughs> He's got the 60 characters. We're good to go. Um, no, I will I will never stop beating that drum. I want a sequel to that game so bad. That's one of the few fighting games I actually did put a bit of time into. I want um, PlayStation All-Stars 2 to be a 3D platform fighter. Oh. I want them to add a third dimension oh, for it. That'd be cool. Interesting. I'd be into that. Yeah, let's let's make PlayStation All Stars two be the Power Stone revival that we all we all demand. <laughs> exactly, right now. there we go. See, Mitchell knows <laughs> what I'm talking about. I know, um, I know the name of that franchise at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mitchell, you got to play a bit of Street Fighter Six, right? Yeah. Did we talk about them on the show in the past? I don't remember Not if we Mitchell had you playing on. it. But if uh, Mitchell, if you have brief thoughts before we move on, uh, just of what you experienced, it's real, real good. <laughs> <laughs> there you go first. There we go. Um, I was going to say f- folks and fur. You heard it here first together and it turned into Ferks. It, you know, just it's Ferks and, and, new and Cucumbers. cucumbers. Those cucumbers. are all the fans that we've thought up. Um, the, the words we miss say. Um, well, I'm really excited to hear more about it, especially as we get closer to that game's launch and uh, maybe one day hear about a PlayStation All-Stars 2. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll talk about games in the future that we want to play at some point. Uh, but speaking of games this week that you can play, uh, before we talk about some other stuff, I got a chance to sit down with some of the devs from Cult of the Lamb, uh, the new base management slash uh, roguelite action game that's really cute and adorable, but also really dark in really funny ways. Uh, we spoke about the creation of the game, some of their thoughts on uh, the different gameplay mechanics in there. Rather than blabbing about it, I'm just going to throw to that interview because it's a lot of fun. Beyond, and welcome back, everyone. Jonathan here with a very exciting interview for y'all, or at least I think it will be because we're talking about a game that I am very excited about. It comes out this week on August 11th. That's Cult of the Lamb, which I have been playing and really, really enjoying. It's a very special, unique game that I'm excited to get into with two of the team members behind it, and that is Julian Wilton and Jay Armstrong. Thank you both so much for joining me today. Hello. 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 Thank you for having us. (laughs) Yeah, it's It's, uh, it's great to be able to talk to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to be able to speak to you about this. I've been looking forward to Cult of the Lamb for a while. I think uh, kudos to you and the team for just making this both the most like adorable and uh, strangely bizarrely dark game. Uh, like the, the combination of themes there, I think, just worked so well. And I just like had to know more about it. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad I can talk to you both to find out a little bit more and, and hopefully tell the audience about that stuff. Amazing. Great. I think that description would like fit any member of the team as well, like dark, adorable, but also a bit kind of dark, kind of suits all of us. So that's probably where well, it comes from. That's yeah. good to know because I do, I do want to kind of get into it, but I guess just to start for people who don't know, I'll try to do my best and, and feel free to just jump in and completely correct me if I say it stupidly. But, uh, you know, from my time with Cult of the Lamb, it's this really cool combination of uh, roguelike sort of runs and action gameplay, uh, as well as a base management sim building scenario where you are a lamb who is essentially leading a cult and you're uh, recruiting new members as you go along. You're helping to build up the base of your cult and to to strengthen the belief in that cult and, and, and the lamb uh, along a journey uh, that has some broader implications as well that I maybe don't want to spoil for people who haven't jumped in yet. Uh, but it's uh, it's adorable in, in the character design and I think the art style and everything, but and then it has these very uh dark you don't shy away from sort of the like the blood sacrifice i guess that you think of when you think of a cult i suppose is the best way to put it um i'm curious you know you were saying it's sort of uh maybe representative of the team members but like where did the decision to have i think such a a disparate or dissonant kind of like tones come into play or was that just kind of there from the start as the idea was coming together yeah 
um oh. yeah wow that was um that was a good description to start like so well done <laughs> it's probably better than <laughs> i could pitch it to be honest um yeah i think for this game we really wanted to um go a bit darker and kind of go on our previous game um it was called the adventure pals it was very bright colorful kind of more like an adventure time thing very random um but on and because of that like it kind of got a lot of attention from people and kind of thought it was a bit of a kid's game so with this one we kind of wanted to prove them wrong we're like, all right, let's make it dark. I love horror films. I love like a lot of this occult themes. I'm really big fan of, yeah, like Midsummer and Hereditary and things like Over the Garden Wall where they're kind of quite cute, but also have this depth of like creepy underlying tones that are going on. Um, so yeah, with yeah, we just kind of started exploring it really. Uh, it did take a while to kind of get there, trying out different ideas like we did we definitely went with like trying to make it more i don't know a bit bad boy originally with um kind of making it this game about running a hell and you're a demon but like we always just kind of went back to like i mean i, I can only draw cute characters so it always ended up a bit cute um so it was always yeah a bit of a struggle especially early on like trying to get these enemies and stuff to look quite creepy um, but yeah, we, I feel like kind of kind of got there in the end, and then through the the lamb and the animals, we 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 got to go crazy with making them cute. But then the enemies were like, yeah, tried to make them a bit more creepy. And the great thing about like making things so cute all the time, which Jillian, Jillian is and Jim are both so brilliant at, um, is that we can get away with like as you said, dark stuff. So there's all sorts of like horrible things that you can do, including like chopping up your followers for meat and then feeding it to your other followers. But because it's so cute, you don't realize how awful you're being until like until you actually say it out loud. So like being cute gave us a lot of license to push the darkness. And maybe if it was, you know gruesome and realistic it would um mm. we wouldn't be able to get away with such horrible stuff <laughs> i mean i i think it certainly does you know for the tone of it, it's funny to me like cult sort of like focus is such a big thing in movies and tv documentary like it is one of the things you see 50 netflix documentaries for every month at this point <laughs> but i guess i didn't think of like oh what would it be like for a video game and the the idea that like it would be fun to build up that cult if they were adorable creatures but you're right it like kind of lets you get away with it where it's like well but they're so cute i just want to help them do the awful <laughs> kind of things they're doing um but, you know, like along the lines of that that uh, dichotomy, I guess, I think what's really cool then that, that also, and I do want to talk about the themes of all that, but it also does translate to the gameplay where you kind of have these two facets of the game that you're going back and forth between. Um, I know you were mentioning the Adventure Pals a little bit and sort of what type of game that was. What I guess interested the team about either kind of genre that you're dipping into here or wanting to try out new genres or like the intersection of these two, where like how did the interest in those come about? I think that came about, that was the first piece really, before we even decided it was going to be a game about cult, it was going to be mushing, um, you know, the base building thing and the roguelike thing um, together and just kind of smashing those together. And the cult thing kind of came later and, and was turned out to be, we tried, like as Julian said, many things to kind of, how could we like cohesively bring those two genres together? And the cult thing turned out to be like the the best way to do that. Um, but it was, it came out of a like, um, you know, again, like our previous games, <clears throat> we had like this sort of linear story. And once you'd done that level, you know, you couldn't really replay it. And we were seeing, you know, these uh, these two genres coming out that were very separate, but they both had this like, especially um, um, RimWorld was like the big inspiration for the cult side of 
the base management side where you could get these emergent stories where you could play it a hundred thousand times and have a different story every time. And that was super exciting for us. And then again, the roguelike, you could do the same thing as well. You could, you know, like games like um, Enter the Gungeon and Isaac, you can just play and play and play and play um, and have a different story and experience every time. And so, yeah, we just thought, let's be super crazy and, and take those two things and smash them together. Yeah, it was um, it was very difficult, though, actually trying to put them together and then connect them in like a gameplay loop that was kind of fun. Um, but yeah, as you say, it was kind of through the followers, through having these followers, um, it really just connected the two sides of it and kind of we tried to focus the whole game kind of about them and kind of your journey through them. And, and having I, one side. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, having the biggest one of the biggest challenges was having one side feed into the other, feed into the other, feed into the other, and and there weren't a lot of like reference points for for doing that, and so we had to do like a lot of iteration, a lot of experimentation. Um, like, how can we make sure that make getting more followers um, means that you become stronger in the dungeon, and getting stronger in the dungeon means you become stronger in the base side of things, and um, that like took. A lot of iteration and i think we only figured it out about two or three weeks ago really um, <laughs> more like six months ago i think when it all kind of clicked ago. into, into yeah, a couple days yeah. ago i think we're still figuring it out <laughs> actually i just had an idea for you guys if you could throw it into the game real quick Ooh. that would be great yeah yeah, yeah. No. Um, yeah there you go. <laughs> uh, oh boy now i'm on the spot i have to think of good things um, well while i stall for time there uh one of the things that i did want to talk about of the the way that I think the game really cleverly pulls things in together, at least for me as someone who's really gotten into the roguelike genre over the last year or two, is uh, sort of the runtime, at least early on, you know, in the game. These aren't, it, it, you know, hour-long runs like some roguelikes can go. They're they're briefer, they're quicker, there's, there's a, a really great pace to them that allows you to not be away from the management sim for too long. Was that like a deliberate choice to keep them a little bit shorter, especially as you're, you're getting into things to help the player see both sides of the game as much as possible? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, um, we tried it yeah. both ways. Um, oh, sorry, uh, we tried it both ways no, no, and we just found that you, you, um, you would go for, you know, for a long, long time and then come back and everyone was starved to death and dead and ill and that just wasn't fun. So thinking of more as like bite-sized little adventures where you go out, get some things, come back was like a big, when we was a big part of like what we wanted to achieve with the, with the pacing of it. You summed it up well. I think for me, I always, yeah, want to keep it quite short just because like, you know, I'm, I just got a bit bored with, it. I, you know, I want to get back to my boys. I want to look after them. So when I was away from them too long, I get sad. So yeah, kept, kept it tight. And it just means that, yeah, you, you know, you keep it more action packed, punch size, you go do it and it can be fun if you die. Cause that's another big thing. If you spend 15 minutes on run and you die. It's just very frustrating as well. And you're like, oh, all right. I need to spend 15 minutes getting back to that, like boss to fight it again. So if yeah. it's, you know, if it's just under 10 minutes, we can kind of, you can kind of quickly do that and you'll get some resources along the way. If you die, it's kind of like, it's not the end of the world. At least you learned something, hopefully. Yeah, that, that was, that's, that's, that was a big part of it, wasn't it? Where you, you would go for a long time and then die and you'd lost like 15 minutes and you come back to base and everyone's starving, but you haven't got any food. You haven't got any follower because you'd failed <laughs> and spent all that invested time. Like both, it was like this negative feedback loop where it just got worse and worse and worse. So like, yeah, keeping it tight and punchy was, um, is a big part of like how you can sustain two kind of two games at one time. The, I, I mean, two games at once is, is a very great, 
uh, explainer of it, but I think they they work so cohesively. And as you were saying, maybe it like took some time to nail it down. But I what I really enjoyed, especially as I was first getting into the game and discovering sort of how much the management sim side of it opens up and, and the more things that you have that can then inform how you're doing sort of in the dungeon runs and whatnot. Um, there's a lot that you unlock, a lot that I think is uh, very cute and darkly funny in a way that thematically ties into uh, the cult of it all. But I, I, you know, I was sort of curious of when when building a management sim, when it's not the only part of the game, were there versions of it as you were iterating on everything that were like way too broad or did you have to like broaden the scope? Did you start from like a narrow, narrower, more narrow? There we go. That That's words. Uh, more <laughs> narrow version of the sim. Like how, how did that evolve throughout time? Because I could imagine it going kind of either way. Um, yeah, so I, I, uh, <laughs> I was hoping Julie would jump in because I don't have a great answer. <laughs> one, thing that, one, thing, <laughs> one thing that happened was that we would, during development, we would, we would concentrate on one side of the game and that would get really good. And then we'd kind of play and the other side of the game hadn't had as much attention and love and, and so really fell by the wayside. And so like working on two at once, it was quite hard to maintain um, a kind of equal level of, of quality or, or, or depth. Um, but I think, and, and it's interesting that you say that because I think in the demo that we put out, we kind of cut it off just before you can see how much base management there really is. And it does go really deep. And there is, if you want to, you read the minds of your followers and you, they, they each have individual thoughts that get tracked and you can really follow the story of each follower if you want to kind of put that time in. So it's very, very, very deep. Um, whereas the, the dungeon side, I think is, is more kind of fun and arcadey. Um, but yeah, it's it, interesting. Thing, um that, that you pointed out there yeah i think it was hard as well just because like yeah yeah it's we're making this like base builder side um but again we couldn't really copy from too much and we tried to originally we were just like oh you know we'll just kind of copy these other games for like the like how to do it but it was quite hard because it all has to tie back to kind of you being a cult leader and trying to like tick those boxes and that player fantasy of yeah of running a cult so yeah, it did make it a lot quite tricky, especially even just like managing followers, like how you tell them what to do yeah. and like what they should do. Like originally, like there was like a whole schedule and you could tell everyone what to do in the morning and the afternoon and it got very deep. Basically the, the whole process of this game was going very deep into systems and then like really simplify, simplifying them um, and finding that just keeping everything simple and as you say as well, like it takes a while to get in the game. And that's just because when we didn't have that, we found for new players, like it was just so overwhelming because there's just so many kind of things going on with all your doctrines and your rituals and sermons and then the old, yeah, building all these buildings and then tracking faith, hunger and illness. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> and then you're also doing dungeon crawling. So yeah, it's, yeah, we slowly ease a player into all of that. Um, and yeah. It's um it's something that you you mentioned a lot of the sort of like gameplay specifics there that I've been learning as I've been going through and it, I you know like to the team's credit I totally feel as a player it's doled out in a really uh, fair manner because you like you say I think about some of the things that I was learning a couple hours in and if all of that had been thrown at me from the start while I'm also doing all this dungeon crawling it's a lot to handle but as you get the hang of it you're like oh I get how these systems can interact together and then can feed into when I'm going into the dungeon. Um, so it sounds like it was a lot of putting all the ideas out there and then kind of reeling it back to see what made the most <laughs> yeah, sense. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So much of the game is actually learning the game. 
Like I think at least the first hour, it takes at least an hour or so to get everything that's in there um, it, into the player's hands. So yeah, definitely the first hour or two is like just, oh, I can do this now. Oh, there's this. Oh, there's locations. Oh, I can, I can fish. I can do the dice game. I can uh, declare doctrines. Like I can put people in prison. And, you know, so it's, it's this, just drip feeding that over um, a reasonable amount of time was um, a big part of, of, of getting, that, getting that right. I um I love you listing fishing dice game and putting people in prison as it feels like you <laughs> spun a wheel and landed on three amazing parts of the game but it's like there's it's what I've kind of loved about uh the this game really like for me as a player delights me because of the discovery of it as you're going along and you you mentioned I know the team has shown off a few of those mini games before of like dice and and fishing and and whatnot but I guess how did the team either like decide to put in those mechanics what were sort of like the thoughts about putting mini games into this because you've already got a pretty complex game going on what were sort of the like interests in ads i think they add a lot to the experience um i well i think each thing has a different um story behind it i think it kind of <laughs> it kind of comes from a sense of um uh the way that we do things is is because we all work remotely and we've all made games individually by ourselves before there's a lot of independence and a, a kind of like someone kind of says, I think we should have fishing and then goes off and does it. And then we then have to figure out how we're going to slot that into the game. So that makes sense. Um, and then with like the dice game, that was something I had like a day off and I just thought I'm going to make a, how simple can I make a game? And then because we were making it in unity, we were like, Oh, actually we could just, we could plop this into cult of the lamb um and then we figured out okay well how how can we justify that narratively and 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 fit it in with the world and then make a cohesive but i think it's a lot of just like independent people making fun stuff and then bringing it in to the loop um yeah do you think that's fair I think Julian, was, is that yeah i think it was kind of early on and i was like this is where we had a bit more time and i was i think it was at the end of the month and we're like all right everyone kind of you know do whatever you want for like a day or two or something and um knuckle bones i think was kind of the result of that um and then yeah the fishing it's like we had this kind of like shore town and it's just like you know i feel like the water was there like we had to do it we had to do it like it would be like a disservice not to like add some fishing in there um and we're like you know we'll just chuck it in quickly it'll be nice and easy but um yeah that kind of we're like this turned into kind of this bigger wider system that's kind of used in the food system quite a bit um and quite a few other things so yeah um yeah it, it's it's tricky because it does add a lot like adds a lot of scope when you think oh you know i'll just chuck in a quick mini game but then it did end up being <laughs> a lot of work for some of these things <laughs> it's I, fair to I, say that there, there hasn't been a, a game design document that we've stuck rigidly to there's been a lot of improvisation <laughs> and iteration so <laughs> yeah i mean I, I think someone who landed on all of the things that are in this game from day one, I would just have to know how that brain works because that would be incredible. <laughs> I think like the the sort of mishmash, I guess, of ideas here, for lack of a better term, I think benefits the experience so well because it, it's constantly surprising you and you're finding delightful new things about it as you're going along. Um, and, uh, it, you know, as for me personally, if there's a dice game in there, I'm going to spend way too much time playing it. So that's, you know, it's good by me. <laughs> Um, but you know, on, on that sort of note of, I, I, I guess, building out the world or, or building out the scope of it, um, were there, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but were there certain thoughts or ideas beyond the aesthetics of like what people thought of the adventure pals, but were there certain ideas of like size of a game or direction of a game that coming off of that one, the team was really interested in exploring on this next project? Uh, I think, yeah, just basically 
as I don't know if Jay was kind of saying it before, but yeah, we just wanted stuff where we could like it had replay value and it wasn't just like a one-off thing that you kind of experienced. So we originally, I think we kind of scoped out like, I think it might've been four dungeons originally actually. So we kind of got the original scope of what we wanted. Um, but kind of like with the locations and these other areas in the game, we kind of wanted, yeah, you could go back there and there'd be like something different happening and it wasn't just a one-off thing. And maybe there's some little secrets around them, who knows? Um, yeah, I think that kind of focusing on that with the scope, just everything you do, like, and you kind of replay it, um, is a big thing. Uh, but yeah, again, a lot of it, we just didn't know what we were doing. We're like, oh, we know we want four dungeons. So we started doing it, but then like, I think a lot of it got scrapped in the end and kind of ended up in this kind of more simplified version. I think originally as well, we had this, like, we wanted to do this kind of big open world thing where it was a bit more of a like Stardew Valley thing where you could go around the world and you'd find these other areas but it just was not working. So yeah, we've definitely tried a lot of bigger scope things. As I was saying mm. with the other stuff, you know, we try these big things and then we strip it all back down again just to like yeah. being nice and simple. <laughs> um, you know, sort of on that note, I guess for me, especially the way the the cult stuff is built into it, you talked a little bit about, um, you know, doctrines or things like you're collecting the devotion of, of your followers and all these things as you're going on. It's the... Um, it, it, it builds very clever sorts of like, I guess, takes on religion or cultish behavior or something in a very mechanical <laughs> gameplay sort of way in, in, <laughs> in, in fun and interesting ways. But I'm curious of like, obviously, to me, this is not like lampooning any specific cult or anything like that. Like you said, it, it feels broadly like Midsummer or things of that nature. Um, I, how do you go, I guess, about... Is it researching how, you know, cults have behaved and figuring out, oh, that makes a good game mechanic? Or, like, how do you marry those two things together? Because it's just such an interesting combo for me. Yeah, it was um, it was really difficult. I feel like I have a Google Doc that was just kind of, like, trying to figure out, all right, what actually is a cult? Like, what are the defining features of a cult? And just kind of making sure we tick each of those boxes. So I think there's, like, you know, your, your charismatic leader, like, that's pretty classic. That's um, That was fairly easy because we've got the lamb, that's the player um kind of indoctrination which we yeah didn't get to i think we originally wanted to kind of explore that further but we kind of got it in through um you know you can customize them and then they have like um levels so if they are a bit lower and they're kind of hierarchy in the cult um and then oh, i can't even yeah kind of exploitation of the members was quite important so i think it was this for me i wanted um a lot of the game to be this balance of kind of like how much you can exploit the followers while keeping their faith at a decent level so like trying to yeah sacrifice them and you know get coins out of them or something while yeah making sure they're happy and not getting too angry at you yeah it's definitely as june said constantly asking ourselves oh is this is this a cult? Because it was very easy to get kind of sidetracked by the farming and just make it like a cute village. And so, um, <clears throat> yeah, we had this kind of almost obligation to have ritualistic sacrifice um, and and uh, all these- <laughs> We had to, that was one of the things I was like, in the trailer, I was like, we need to have someone getting sacrificed. Like that's the minimum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be core. And at one point it was like, it just gave you some coins or something. And then we're like, it's not important enough. People aren't going to be doing it. We need, so there was a kind of this desire to, to, I guess the player experience, making sure they're having the experience that we, we promise by saying, Hey, this is a game about running a cult. We, we've kind of got this obligation. And so now when you sacrifice, it helps you level up your character quicker, which you can do 
in a nice way by giving sermons or you can sacrifice them and kind of like instantly level up and so we're always trying to find ways yeah exploiting your followers was like absolutely core um and so finding ways where we could make you not force you but like give you the option to be evil Mm, um, in a way that yeah yeah, that would benefit you at the expense of your cute followers and so um yeah it was just that Mm. constant kind of desire to to meet that I guess another example is like, yeah, when you die, you can kind of choose to, um, with one of the abilities you get, you can choose to kind of sacrifice someone to keep going. I think that's a really good kind of, um, example of us trying to, you know, give you this question, this morality to the player, like, oh, do I want to kill one of my guys? But usually there's like one guy you don't really like that much. So it's, it's <laughs> not a problem, at least for me. I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, they do all have what, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to jump on that and say we even go further where when if if there's someone that you've married, um, you get more hearts for sacrificing them. So it's kind of like (laughs) we're encouraging you to not only sacrifice a follower, but sacrifice a follower that you're married to. Um, And so, yeah, so just like whenever we could double down on those mechanics, we we would. And uh, yeah, and before we knew it, we had this kind of uh, deeply dark, twisted, but cute game. (laughs) <laughs> I I haven't done that yet, but that is a good, I guess, tip to know for the future, for my future yeah, tips. Yeah, yeah. A tip for the fans. Five <laughs> um, things I yeah. wish I knew before I started. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is basically a guide interview. We're just helping get tips yeah, for yeah. Introducing, <laughs> introducing play. No, I, I, you know, it's something that I think was a, a really funny, like, joke to me. The first time you got a follower even was just like the instinctual their their dialogue is kind of like please please you know bring me into the cult i will work for you i'll do everything that you need me to and then immediately it's like yeah just go chop some wood i need you to go just get some stone for me go get some stuff and you know it builds into as as you both have been alluding to this management sim where you're trying to make sure people are happy you're trying to make sure their faith stays up you're trying to feed them you're trying to give them all these things to you know make sure the cult is running well but that then also feeds into your abilities and, and your ability to progress further in the story and the dungeon running and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's it's a really great balance and sort of cycle that feeds into itself that that the team landed on that I've been really loving so far and I hope people do when, when they get to play. Um, yes, great to hear. <laughs> before we uh, wrap up and I throw back to the rest of the episode, I do have sort of a couple things you did mention, you know, um, obviously don't want to spoil any of them, but there's it's there are secrets to this game, things to discover and in the, in the joy of that. And, uh, you know, I'm curious of... In building a game that is, you have this base, but then you also have these areas you're going to that are roguelike and all of that. Um, do secrets that you build into, is it sort of like the team has ideas that they want certain things to be discoverable for people? Or is it as you're going along, you know, as you've said, it, maybe it wasn't their day one, but oh, we have a neat idea for a thing to, to put in there and we hope people have fun discovering this aspect. I think um yeah i think that's i think it's about layering so uh some really good advice we got from um devolver when we first started with them was uh get to the when you're making a game get to the end um as soon as possible and then go back and sort of layer it in and layer it in and so um what's kind of nice about our team again is the independence so we might be working on one thing while uh for example uh the other day i was working on something completely different and i actually discovered a secret that julian had put in that i had no idea about and so it's that kind of like yeah that sort of freedom to add in you think oh that would be cool i'm just going to do it um which gives like a lot of independence very quick to do um and it and it just means that yeah there's secrets that are being layered in all the time i think there's not a lot of we, we knew we wanted secrets and we knew that was a big part of games like this um but it, it was never kind of like okay here's 10 secrets that we're going to implement 
this week <laughs> sort of thing. It was more about like layering it in over time and as we were playing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We want to get like more in as well as we kind of, as the game's out, like just cause yeah, we had to just get it done at some point. Um, so we, we're going to be, um, yeah, working on it for quite a bit after release, just kind of, again, layering in more things for players to find. Um, and yeah, I think it's interesting with it as well. I remember I just kind of drew this character that I thought was cool that I think I chucked it in like one of the locations. And I think originally it didn't even do anything or maybe I set it up to like, like sacrifice a dude to him. Um, but it wasn't set up very well. And I think, yeah, Jay just went in and came up with this whole story and all these other things. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of that iterative Night approach Fox. as well. Yeah, of some... Oh, spoilers, Jay. No, Jay. <laughs> um, so, yeah. We promised spoilers. Approach, like, here's, here's an idea. I'll, you know, someone will kind of have a rough idea and then someone else might run with it as well, which is great. Yeah. Um that's that's awesome to hear because i've i've enjoyed everything that i've been able to discover so far while playing but i it, it feels like a game where it's it's just going to kind of be you know that joy of finding out what else can i can i discover in this world and i think uh the team did a really awesome job creating something that i i kind of can't stop playing when i have the time to and you know we're talking about it right now but i think about it while i'm working as well so i'm i'm excited <laughs> to my i know you know as we're recording your your guys's day is just starting mine's ending so after it ends i'm gonna play some more. um nice but no it's it's been really a blast i hope people go check it out um before we end i do have to ask because it's so adorable i've seen sort of the plushy version of it and it just works so perfectly was it always a lamb was was the cult of any other animal <laughs> um well as soon as we kind of started going in the cult direction i i kind of knew yeah let's do a lamb i think originally the like the rough the working style of the game was sacrificial lamb and it was just that like this like the lamb just works so perfectly because you know absolutely he's you know he's the one that's usually you know going to sacrifice but now he has the power and he's taking it on but there's this question of like you know will he keep this like holy i don't know imagery that he has or will he kind of be twisted to the decisions he makes and get the power get to him and kind of end up as this kind of evil character so yeah it it fits pretty perfectly and and sets you up for a as we've said a fun and very cute but disturbing in 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 in, in its own way but fun uh and and funny experience uh so julian and jay thank you so much uh for joining me to talk about cult of the lamb uh congrats to the team i know we're just about to hit launch but congrats to you all on the launch and i hope everyone out there enjoys it as much as i did thanks so much thanks so much for having us it's been so much fun chatting to you of course, yeah, it's been a joy, and I uh, hope we'll get to talk again in the future. But uh, congrats to the team, and we'll throw back to the rest of the episode. And we're back. Thank you, Jonathan. As a, oh, God. I had oh, to do no, it. No, that's no. fair. What, what an interview, Jonathan. That was amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Mitchell. We did sit here and watch it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I forced you all to do that. Isn't that great for a podcast? And, you know, I didn't have anything else to do today. So. Yeah, that's fair. It's not like we're all in the middle of our work day. Uh, Anyway, before we wrap up on things, I do want to briefly pull uh, a couple comments from last week that Jada brought together from last week's show, though uh, does not have a computer in front of her. Nope. So Jonathan's going to do his best impression of me right now. Just kidding. Um. I can't do impressions. (laughs) Uh, The only impression I can do actually that I've learned is I'm not bad at a Dalek from uh, Doctor Who fun yeah what what an oddly specific (laughs) impression exterminate there you go that's it uh anyway writing in from last week's show l said uh responding to a particular conversation where mark decided to test people's smart ais at home i have an amazon echo dot thank you for not saying the name of the the character who uses that uh directly under my monitor and i have the listening turned off for just such occasions better luck next time mark 
Yeah, I was really hoping he was going to be here for that yeah. one. That was I pulled that comment yesterday and didn't have a chance to grab a different one since he wasn't going to oh, be here. But it still works. It still does. We're gonna make. We're just gonna clip this part and we're gonna send it to him. Send it to him while he can watch it on the top of Splash Mountain. Yep, exactly. Uh, speaking of Mark comments, James wrote in and said, "Mark, I've been waiting for PlayStations to end up on store shelves, which hasn't happened. But PlayStation sent me an email saying that you can sign up for a chance to purchase a console directly from them. I tried once like six months ago and I did not get through before they all sold out. But last week uh, they sent me up another chance and it was a quick painless uh experience and i'm now part of the ps5 family congratulations james uh, also as a bit of hope for others i logged back on a while later and they still had inventory so this is a good sign for playstation yeah we've started to hear inventory coming back it's being a little bit of a thing for people if you're not signed up for playstation direct go ahead and do that i definitely recommend it i know some people have had spotty luck on there but i've also seen like you might have to buy a uh a bundle Thank you. A bundle mm -hmm. for, like, Horizon. But chances are, if you're buying a PlayStation, you should play Horizon. Uh, I should have thrown another word in there, like a jumpsuit a or jumpsuit. something just random, just to mess yeah. with you. Um, you <laughs> can buy a life-size Astro Robot, uh, but you can't buy a PS5. I would buy that. Um, anyway, thank you, James, for letting us know that worked out for you, and congrats. I uh, hope you're enjoying that PS5. Speaking of Astro, play Astro's Playroom. Uh, and last but not least, from all the comments and emails and everything we've gotten, Callum wrote in to beyond at IGN.com, like you can, and said... Hey, it's Callum again from the UK. Just wanted to chime in on the long, short video game conversation from last week. Two games that I feel are the perfect length are Little Nightmares 1 and 2. I think these games are scary, action-packed, and stunning visually. It's crazy to me they can be so good, considering all you do is walk from the left side of the screen to the right until you finish them, of course, while running away from scary things. Uh, the video game Inside also has a great length to it and left me wanting more. When it's on sale, I've seen it go for less than uh, five pounds. I believe, or I don't think it's the Euro sign, but I could be wrong. What a steal. Thanks, guys. And thank you, Kellen, for the recommendations. The Little Nightmares games are very good uh, lengthwise. Those are like great four to five hour-ish spookies, and they're fun. I feel like Callum has the type, and if they haven't played Limbo, they should play Limbo. I <laughs> uh, should also play uh, I had another game and then I completely forgot it but yes I agree Limbo is great I actually like Limbo more than Inside but I know that's I actually kind of do too controversial around these parts mm. don't let Ryan McCaffrey hear this anyway uh, <laughs> briefly before we move on to sort of the end of the show um, anything that you want to shout out Jade I'll start with you that you've been playing that we haven't I know we talked about multiverses but anything else uh, I just finished my first playthrough for Nobody Saves the World um, I did too such an excellent I reviewed that game such an excellent little <laughs> rpg i had so much fun with it like all the different forms like i really was invested in doing all the challenges to level up my form i didn't there was there was only a very few challenges where i was like oh i have to do this to level it up but most of them are just so done so well and i've started my new game plus run nice. already and i love the new dungeon layouts or, or uh, stipulations where they all have these different modifiers and it's it really is like it's kind of like a puzzle it's like okay you got to figure out which form is best in this dungeon with these modifiers and what layout what setup you need to do for this one like there's dungeons where it's 9,999 damage for everybody and so <laughs> it's like okay well I just have to equip the perk that I can only take one sixth of my health like cool that's that problem is solved and then there's other ones the world will add on to it like you can't regain mana so it's like okay now i gotta figure out how am i gaining mana for my specials and then <laughs> how am i healing like it's just done so well and it's such a great way to really draw players back in for a new game plus playthrough yeah, I, I beat it. I haven't started that run, but I enjoyed it. I know, uh, Mitchell, you reviewed it as you were saying earlier. I believe you gave it a seven. You you enjoyed it mm -hmm. earlier this year. And yeah, I, I totally agree with some of your criticism of like, it feels like it gets a little long in the tooth toward the end. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I, I think like the, the form switching and the swapping stuff is really smart and clever. Um, and I like 
for them attempting a totally new game. This is the Guacamelee devs, uh, Severed, a very new different genre and format for them. I thought this was like a really, it's very pretty also as, as well to play through, like to, to not say the same things you all said that I agree with. Jada, mm -hmm. I thought like it's also a really delightful game to look at and watch and play out and have the form switches happening and just the silly sort of like uh, animations that they all do. It's, it's a lot of fun. I definitely recommend it for people. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's been on sale a bit recently. Uh, Mitchell, what about you? What have, what have you been playing? Uh, we just watched an interview about it. Uh, in real time. But cult <laughs> in real time. Uh, cult of the Lamb. I'm, uh, I, I would say I'm probably about like six hours into that game. Uh, and I really like it. Nice. I think uh, you know it's it it's it's more than than you would expect. Uh, you know, you would look at that game and be like, oh, this is this is like you know a a, a roguelike, almost like Hades and and you know those other combat focused kind of gives a Binding of Isaac kind of vibe. Yeah, almost, very too. very yeah. Binding of Isaac y. Um, but the the roguelike the roguelite element I feel like is secondary to the 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 base management stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a really interesting comb combination where you know you're doing the base management stuff to do better in the the roguelite stuff and you know you're going on like farming runs so you can get materials to make new new buildings and you know you're you're getting new followers to bring back so you can put them to work doing more things in your base um so it's just a, a really interesting you know interplay between those two very disparate genres um and yeah i'm i'm enjoying my time with it so far yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's one of those things where, yeah, I don't want to, like, undersell or oversell, I guess, but don't go into it thinking of it as a, like, a roguelike that you're going to really dive into on the runs mm -hmm. as your core, core focus, like to Mitchell's point. Mm -hmm. The base building is a really big part of it, and getting, you know, building that up, getting your followers to care more about you, getting new, like, things to build there and, and assets and all the stuff that you need to build, um, It's that's a really big chunk of the game. Um but it's a, I've been enjoying the like building and the the growth process of that. Yeah, um, it's also just amusing. You can like set doctrines so that like you know your your followers are no longer repulsed by the idea of sacrifice. <laughs> I was going to ask about the sacrifice. Like, is uh, like are the are the different followers you you enlist? Do they have like different stats or different things like that? And then like the ones you don't like, you just sacrifice them to the gods. They do have perks, and there are like like one of the perks could be like you know they're harder to level up. Mm. Um, so yeah, so if you want to, yeah, you can absolutely, uh, nice. you know, yeah. just get rid of people that you don't like. Sacrifice, <laughs> yeah. all of them. No, oh, well, you need some of them. Someone's got to clean up the poop. That's yeah. a real part. That's yeah. true. That's true. Um, you can also feed the poop to people, which is real weird. Sometimes they want it. I mean, <laughs> sometimes they demand it. I mean, I don't put anything past cults. <laughs> don't don't king shame those animals, Mitchell. Um, the yeah, There's it's poop in the punch. <laughs> <laughs> it's it it's a really fun uh, sort of. Uh, interesting balance between that light and dark humor as well because uh, it really does lean into like how did the ideas of a cult become a management sim and and as mitchell was saying like what doctrines do you place out you you give sermons to help like elevate people and and all this sort of you're like stealing their not desires i forget what the exact word is but you're using um their sort of uh, observances and using that to to build up and whatnot it's really clever and really cute and, and a lot of fun uh also for people who play on pc it's it's going to be on playstation as well but who you play on pc it's got like cool uh streaming integration where you can have like your your followers name your followers and stuff like oh, that. oh that's so cool it's oh, really cool. cute i would just I name that. all of my i would just name all of my followers in cult of the lamb after my followers i think you're like the people yeah. watching you can basically like 
uh, bid to name and, mm. and customize. So yeah, oh, that's I, real cool. That's I didn't so know that. cool. That's awesome. I've been playing, but I, I'm I, I might restart a run and stream it because I'm like, this is a fun thing to be able to do. Yeah. It, but apologies to that's, whoever I sacrifice. Oh, I just that's funny. I, sacrifice no, everybody still. <laughs> I just saw on the video you can put. Uh, the centers of your religion in the stocks. I have, I have oh, not had yeah. that happen yet. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool and really clever, and I definitely check them. Uh, check amend. Check amend. Check amend. There's another one. Uh, someone needs to tweet me a running tally of all the words I missed. Hey, you miss a hundred percent of the word combinations you never take. The word nations. Um, yeah. Anyway, nobody saves the world. Cult of the Lamb. I think that covers it for me. Oh, and I started my Persona Five Strikers run, and I'm getting into that, uh, and I'm enjoying it so far. But I'm very early on, so I'll report back. In yeah. More. I think other only thing other than I've been that I've been playing obviously multiverses, but I, d- I put some more time into uh, Digimon Survive. Um, really yes. liking the story, the visual novelness of it. I know I talked about it last week. It was a little slow. Yeah. Um, but that was like the first couple hours are very slow um but once you get past that it gets really good um the combat still is just kind of bleh but yeah whatever it's yeah. a visual novel well thank you for that update and i'm curious to hear more if you keep playing but uh my watch told me it's almost time to stand up so i'm going to start winding down the show because apparently i need to stand for my health but before we do I have a memory card for us to read. Memory card, of course, is our weekly segment segment where you, the viewers and listeners at home, write in with your sad, weird, happy, wacky, whatever memories of your PlayStation gaming life, and we read them on the show. This week's comes in from Jorge, who wrote in to be on at IGN.com with a memory card slash combination first date game recommendation. Um, so back in 2004, Jorge writes, I got a call from a friend to help out another friend during Carnival. Uh, she was home during Brazil's biggest holiday because she had broken her leg. He told me this girl owned a PS2 and that I should bring some games. I packed up my stuff and we both visited her house. Nothing wrong with sharing some gaming and making someone's day a little brighter, right? Soon after introducing ourselves, she challenged me to a few rounds of King of Fighters 2002. Speaking of fighting games, I picked my usual team, uh, Iori, Joe, and Rio, and she picked hers, Whip, Kula, and Billy Kane. The match starts. I jump in with a flying kick from Joe, and she proceeds to counter me with Whip, picking my character in midair and striking him against the floor. Against, not again. I tried a few more attacks, but this woman was untouchable, and like, it's like she's reading my mind. I lost the first round, and she was barely damaged. The fight concluded at 3-2 in her favor. We played a couple of extra matches, followed by Tekken 4, winning 11, and a few others. We bonded and became instant friends over our shared love of video games. The years would bring us shared playthroughs of Kingdom Hearts, all three, Dragon Age, Mass Effect, Assassin's Creed, the entire series except for the first one, and many more. Fast forward to the present, and we've been happily married for 15 years. We have a seven-year-old girl with whom we play retro and current games on an almost daily basis. I'm living the dream of getting to actually marry the coolest person ever. She's also a professional chef right now, and we have recently bought a PS5 with Miles Morales and Demon Souls. And I think it started with a match of King of Fighters 2002. Uh, and as a final comment, uh, which is not related to the story, I've been listening to the show since the Greg Colin PS3 days. Regardless of who the hosts are, Beyond continues to be a source of information, witty banter, and hilarious comments from its participants. It's a pleasure to, to tag along and listen to the show through the years in my daily commute. Uh, and thank you. You said some very other wonderful things that I don't want to read out loud because they are navel-gazing, in my opinion, to me. And I am embarrassed to say nice things about myself to me. I but can it read says them Jonathan, It says Jonathan is hot. <laughs> well, no, it doesn't it's get there. hot. But it also commends the whole cast mitchell if you want to take the line about me i'll say the rest of the line jonathan you're a f- fantastic host and i'd like to congr- congratulate eh, congratulate you on your excellent work please make sure you share my appreciation and hugs hugging is a huge thing here in brazil it's the number one way we show a- affection to people with the rest of the team brian max lucy tom jada mark and red i love your work and i wish everyone plenty of success stay safe stay healthy and take care 
And of course, though you weren't in that list, Mitchell, I consider you a part of the Beyond family as well. Oh. But uh, yeah, thank you, Jorge, for writing in with that lovely story. Congratulations to you both on a wonderful, long, and, and happy relationship together. Uh, but that is going to pretty much wrap us up for this week's episode. Uh, before we leave, Jada, anything you want to plug that you're working on with the community? or? Mm. No, nothing really. Uh, I mean, I guess um, I can plug our my most recent community, Let's Talk About. Uh, we're talking about the... Uh, the best fighting games of all time. So that article's up on IGN. So definitely stop in if you uh, want to make your voice heard on IGN. Um, drop in, drop a comment. Uh, and speaking of fighting games, we are uh, just publishing today our top 10 fighting games piece, which Mitchell, I know you contributed to, as did Ronnie and a few other wonderful staffers and freelancers. So uh, go check that out if you want some of the best fighting games of all time. Some would say even hey. the 10 best. And if you disagree, I challenge you to a uh, burst to 10 in Guilty Gear Strive. Hell yeah. Uh, Mitchell, anything else you want to plug that you've been working on or uh, just coming back um, from Evo fresh off? Just coming back from Evo. I think a lot of the things that I'm working on probably aren't going to gonna see the light of day for a few weeks. So, yeah. Fair enough. Stay uh, tuned. And I'll just say, I uh, don't want to reveal quite what it is yet, but my next Art of the Level should be hitting in the next few days. And it is related to a very big PlayStation game. So I hope you all check it out. I'll talk about it on next week's show. But uh, a lot of work went into it. A lot of wonderful interviews uh, from some great devs at the studio involved. And I hope you all check it out when we do it. But, is it Jet Moto? Is it Vibribbon? You'll have to tune in to find <laughs> out. But anyway, that's going to do it for us on this week's episode of Podcast Beyond. Jada, thank you so much for joining me in studio. Good to of see you. Of course. And Mitchell, thank you for joining us from afar. It's good to have you here. And as always, thank you to Red, our producer, for making the show happen. And thank you to everyone out there for listening and watching. We hope you're doing well. We hope you're staying safe. We hope you got through all of the messed up words that I said. And as always, beyond. 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 Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.